All right. Well, welcome back to uh, Talking Taker, episode number two. Welcome back, all the creatures of the night. That's <laughs> all our fans out there. Our fifty. Uh, <laughs> we're up to fifty, man. We we passed fifty Twitter followers over the weekend, dude. We're oh, jumping man, up there. Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm Alex Dorio, alongside my tag team partner Travis White, uh, over in. Uh, what state are you in right now? You in Tennessee or Virginia? We're in Tennessee. You're in Tennessee right Virginia now. Virginia tomorrow, okay. yes. In Virginia tomorrow, yeah. Yes. Dual citizenship. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. <laughs> so if you're wondering about the, the sound quality, we're calling it, we got a Skype call going on right now. He's he's over there, and I'm in Mableton, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta, uh, over by Six Flags, if uh, you ever wonder where that is. Cobb County, home of the big boss man. We'll, we'll get to mm. him here. Uh Someday down the line, uh, his classic encounter with The Undertaker. Can't wait for that episode. <laughs> WrestleMania 15? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, can't wait. We might just skip right there tonight. We could. No, we're not. We're not. <laughs> we could jump around, but nah, yeah. We're, we're going to go in order. That's the idea here. We're going match by match through The Undertaker's career. Uh, thanks for everybody who listened to the first episode over the weekend. I uh, had a few downloads on there. You know, we're just we're doing this just for fun because we love wrestling and just doing something with all this twenty five plus years of wrestling knowledge that we have just wasting away in our brains, just trying to make something fun out of it. So we appreciate you exactly. listening. Like I said before, we don't have any deep insider knowledge or anything, but uh, we're just talking about one wrestler's career and, and the way that it's charted over the wrestling business, over the WWE, over the past twenty seven years, and how wrestling has changed and and what we've seen and the awesome things and the terrible things and all the things we love all the things we hate everything in between so yeah that's what we're doing <laughs> that's funny because we started this and then there's all these rumors that he was going to be at SummerSlam uh as we record this last night but uh he was not so that's fine maybe they heard our podcast and said oh we need to not let him come back because these guys would have their podcast room and so you know yeah I, it, it looked like it was going to be super timely uh, I'm kind of glad yeah. it wasn't. You know, I was getting excited, like, "Oh, our podcast, perfect timing." But I really don't want the Undertaker to come back. No. <laughs> he was, he was looking rough at WrestleMania, and he was struggling. And I mean, it was, it was a great it was a ending. Per- you know, yeah. didn't need it. It was a perfect ending. Yeah, he didn't need that. Yeah. Nothing else. Any uh, quick SummerSlam thoughts before we jump into today's episode, as it was last night? Um, I thought it was a good show overall. I really enjoyed it. I mean, there were some matches that weren't as good as they could have been, but and there were some questionable choices for why Big Cass is on the main card with Enzo with lotion in his pants and then uh, <laughs> sneaks out of the shark cage. But then, uh, you know, Usos and New Day, in my opinion, stole the show. Absolutely. The, that was pre, pre match card, of the, the night. Pre-show. Yeah. So that was match of the night, and I think AJ and Owens was the second match of the night. So. Uh, SmackDown's producing like they always do, but um, yeah, it was a good show overall. And the main event was awesome, Hoss battle, man. I get, you know, we love all these smaller guys that can wrestle and athletic, but sometimes there's nothing like seeing four Godzillas in there just beating the mess <laughs> out of each other. Yeah, for me, that chairs was and breaking tables, and yeah, that was my number two match of the night. It was the main event. It it, uh, it exceeded expectations. It's kind of what I wanted absolutely. it to be. Yeah, uh, yeah, I tweeted. Kind of live tweeted on, on the Talking Taker account at Talking Taker on Twitter, and I said I just wanted the main event to be pretty much like Goldberg and Lesnar at WrestleMania, just quick, hard hitting, just all over the place. 
And it wasn't as quick as Goldberg and Lesnar at Mania, but it, it was the same kind of style, just wild and crazy and a bunch of giants just beating the crap out of each other. And uh, it, it was fun to watch. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. It was like Godzilla and King Ghidorah and Mothra and Rodan all in there just beating the mess out of each other. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And the crowd loved it. Every oh, they did. Oh, they loved Braun him Strowman. Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman might be the biggest face of the company at this point. So. Well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Between him so, and Brock Lesnar, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, it was good. Well, but Undertaker... To another big man. Yeah, yeah. He he never got a chance to work with Braun Strowman. That would have been interesting. But uh, he did work with Brock Lesnar. And uh, we'll get to that one day. But today we're focusing on WrestleMania 7. Uh, so technically, Undertaker, uh, he did wrestle at Royal Rumble 1991. But uh, we're going to skip over that. Nothing, nothing memorable uh, in that encounter. So we'll just go to his next singles matchup, the second matchup, and the beginning of the streak. Obviously, the most important part of The Undertaker's career was the WrestleMania streak. And it all began here. And of course, back in 1991, uh, as The Undertaker faced off against Jimmy Snuka, I'm sure everyone in the back knew that for the next 20 years, The Undertaker was going to go undefeated at WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's no way they had foresight to that, but it's just, man, what a great story. And here it all begins, you know, with Jimmy Snuka, a legend, you know? That's just, it wasn't a nobody he beat here. It's a, it's a legend, you know, Jimmy Snuka. But we'll get into that as we talk about the match here. But. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, you know, WrestleMania, clearly, you know, I, I didn't watch back the whole thing. I've seen WrestleMania 7 before, but I just watched this one match. I, I kind of just fast-forwarded through a lot of the show. Uh, but, our, you know, y- you go back and you watch those old WrestleManias. It's it, At WrestleMania 7, we're, WrestleMania is not what it would become. You know, it, right. it, it's... Uh, You've got a couple big marquee matches on there. You get main event with Hogan and Slaughter, and then Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior, and then you've got like ten other matches just kind of thrown on the card. You're just getting everybody on the card. There's not a ton of storylines back then in these WrestleMania matches, and we're nowadays like every WrestleMania match gets a five minute video package to to lead up oh, to yeah. it with all the stories. But here it was just we got a hot guy and we got. We we got to put him over somebody, so let's let's throw out somebody big that he can go over here and get uh, get a nice match out of. So yeah, I was thinking because I didn't go back and watch Wrestle Royal Rumble that this one didn't begin there or anything, right? Did it? I mean, it just kind of was just kind of thrown together almost. Like, you know, nowadays they ask where they kind of all if you don't have a WrestleMania story going before, then that's where everything starts is at Royal Rumble. But back you know back then that's not how it was really. So. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of just here's a guy, and we, we want to, you know, he's he's hot, and we want to get him going, and let's put him with Jimmy Snuka. So here you go. <laughs> yeah, he. I looked up some of the uh, on the history of WWE website. Uh, I was looking at some house show stuff, like what was going on between January and uh, or between whatever November Survivor Series and, yeah. and up to WrestleMania, and uh, a couple interesting things jumped out. Is number one, he what he didn't work a lot. Uh, between Survivor Series and Royal Rumble, he was he was very he wasn't hardly on house shows at all until January, uh, and then he was pretty much just married to Tugboat. <laughs> he wrestled Tugboat wow. like every night up to WrestleMania. So that 
seems like that was almost what the uh, first match of the streak would have been was Undertaker and Tugboat. So imagine seeing wow. that in video packages all these years. Oh, <laughs> Undertaker yeah, and Tugboat. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> but they fought like, all the time. Where it all began. Where it all began. He beat Tugboat. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know where the Snuka thing came from, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's who it ended up against. It ended up being a lot better uh, – Res- a lot better thing on the resume. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. If you had to guess, how old do you think Jimmy Snooker was in this match? Forty-four. Ooh, you went on the young side. Actually, he's forty-eight in this match. Ooh, wow! Forty-eight in this match. I mean, I knew he was match. in his forties, but forty-eight. And you think about good heavens. He wrestled at WrestleMania twenty-five against Chris Jericho. He was 68 in that match. Holy cow. That's or or crazy, 66, man. I guess. Yeah, but yeah. That's insane. Goodness gracious. That's crazy. And but it's weird. You think 48? I knew he was in his 40s and he didn't look great, but No, he don't look great. now 48 yeah, Triple H is now. You know? He might Triple H 48 <laughs> now and he looks or maybe Jericho. Well, yeah, they're all around the same age. Yeah. They're like 48, 46. They look phenomenal compared to his what he looked like back then, but yeah. anyway, he was still the man. Oh yeah, you know, uh, we don't have to go into you know all the revelations about him in his later years and, and all that right. sort of stuff. But you know, wrestling career-wise, obviously a legend in the ring, uh, and he, you know, he gets squashed like by the he doesn't do a thing. And this match is four oh. minutes, like you said. Uh, and it is four minutes of The Undertaker just yeah. <laughs> destroying Jimmy Slicka. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, four minutes, 20 seconds, I think, is what I was counting. So, yeah, it's. I was surprised how quick it was over with. I mean, I've seen all of his matches, but I was just like, man, I forgot. Because you're used to now, you know, the last, well, decade, or at least, well, since WrestleMania 17 or 18, they started to make a big deal out of the, out of the streak. Uh, match that Undertaker has is like, you know, 18 to 25 minutes, it seems like, at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. But back it's then, not it that like same. Four minutes and 20 seconds. It's yeah. Over. So. There's no big but entrance again, or anything like that. Yeah. The lights aren't, lights don't even go out. I don't know when that started. No. With his entrance, yeah. just in general. But. It'll be interesting to see, you know, as we do this, when that begins, you know, when they begin to take it to the next level, you know? Yeah. So. Well, one thing that went to the next level, big thing, big part of The Undertaker, is this is his first uh, pay-per-view match with Paul Bearer. Uh, Certainly. The, uh, critical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't. Every time you say that, I'm going to have to do that. Sorry. Oh, yes. Hey, uh, of course, a vital, critical addition to The Undertaker's character and career. I mean, what do you think uh, Paul Bearer over... The choice to go to Paul Bear over Brother Love. What do you think that does to the Undertaker as a character? Oh, I think that's the that's the cherry on top. You know, I mean, I think if he didn't have, like we talked about it last time, if he just kept with Brother Love, I'm not sure how that would have gone. Because here, as we, you know, I guess we're going to break down the match in a few minutes here, but you know, as we go into it, Paul Bear is part of the package. I mean, he's there. He's got the urn in his hand. I don't remember when that actually started. With the urn, but the, the announcers are saying, you know, who, who's in the urn? What's in the urn? Is it somebody, you know, that's Paul Barrett's family? Is it Kane's or not Kane? Is it Undertaker's family? Um, you know, and he's he's there. Uh, he's all part of the package, and it's really, I just don't think Undertaker would have been, would have gotten off to as hot a start had he stuck with Brother Love, or had it even been they dropped Brother Love and not stuck with Paul Bear. I think Paul Bear helps complete the package, you know. 
It's like nowadays with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Brock Lesnar's cool, but if he didn't have Heyman, he can't talk. <laughs> that's a that's a great analogy because when Brock Lesnar first came back in 2012, oh, Lord. oh yeah. yeah, it was cool to see he Brock Lesnar back, but you know it, it didn't quite click all the way till Paul Heyman came back. No, too. he gave that in ring. Uh, I won't hear my contract. I want with Vince McMahon, and he remember that segment. Yeah, it was, was like so eighteen bad. minutes of trash. So yeah, the next week they had Heyman back. So there you go. <laughs> Same thing here. I think Paul Bear is, and he doesn't do as much talking. I mean, Undertaker did talk back then, but uh, you know, it's just it's part of the package, man. You got to get both of them. So his facial reactions are just yeah, like so no one else. Just unbelievable, yeah. man. Uh, yeah, he it um. It definitely completes the package, and uh, you talk about it, the announcers. You had Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan here, uh, just talking about the mystery. Oh, so good. Yeah, oh, they were yeah. great. Uh, but we don't they don't know what's in the urn. But there's there's all this other mystery about the Undertaker. I think that was a big deal about him that you just don't see anymore. Like on SummerSlam last night, Michael Cole. I noticed this during the uh, Finn Balor match. He's like going into all this backstory about why Finn Balor chose his name uh, and why what, yeah, what the name represents. Yeah. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, we all know wrestling's fake and we know that's not his real name, but there's no suspension of disbelief right. there. And here the announcers are just talking, well, you know, what's in there? Who is this guy? We still don't know all this stuff about this guy. I wrote, <laughs> at one point, Bobby Heenan says, what are the gloves for? Why is he wearing gloves? I have that written down too. I was going to say that. He goes, what are those great rubber gloves for? Girl Monsoon says, <laughs> just, I don't know. Maybe he likes to wear gloves. It's just yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. It's like, but yeah, even there's a mystery about him. Why does he have great gloves on? You know? So. Yeah. What are those great rubber gloves for? Say it's neat, and I don't know if you caught this, but um, at the beginning of the match, when um, Superfly is in the ring after he comes out, the announcers call him it's the Phenom mm-hmm. Superfly Jimmy Snuka. Did yeah. you catch that? Yeah, I thought that was really neat just because you know, where that's who Undertaker is now, he's the Phenom, and he has been for I don't know when they start calling him that, but he's been that for at least a decade. So, you know, I just thought I was, I was like, wow, like you know, foreshadowing, obviously not on purpose, but. You know, what are the odds of that? Is it Phenom Superfly Jimmy Snuka? I was like, well, that's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I just made a few notes. I mean, him coming out with Paul Bear is awesome. The urn is introduced, I mean, introduced to WrestleMania here, you know. I don't remember when it was introduced. Yeah, he didn't have it. I watched Paul Bear's debut uh, from from Macon, Georgia, of all places. Apparently, that's where they taped that. (laughs) Where Paul, Brother Love, Uh, passes him off. (laughs) And uh, he does not have the urn there, so I don't know when exactly okay. it came into play. Yeah, I couldn't figure that out, but yeah. But and then here too, when they this is we mentioned this last last podcast, but this is where they really start showing the kids during the entrance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see the shots of the kids, and they're I mean they look scared. You know, they look worried and concerned. Just kind of you know they're not crying like Freddy Krueger or anything, but you know they're definitely don't they look a little uneasy. You know, and you know that's that's really neat that he he had that effect on people. Um, he really so, had presence. That was one word yeah. I wrote down. Is and you see that see it from the debut. You see that in this. Just and he doesn't have an elaborate entrance, but the way that he walks and the way that he stands and the way he stares at the referee and stares at his opponent, like the way he carries himself and like I, was, I can't remember who I was thinking of that uh, somebody I was watching last. Oh. oh 
Big Cass, I, I think we said something about him. Like, he, that's a guy. I mean, I like that guy. I mean, there's a lot of upside with him, but he doesn't have that at this point in time. Like, no. I just don't yeah. believe it with him yet. He just he doesn't have a lot of presence. He just kind of stands there a lot of the time, and he just is there. Um, and he, he yeah. you know, you could you can learn that I think, but the Undertaker had it immediately. Like, you felt something when he was out there. Felt like it was a big deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, a couple things I wrote down too is just during the match. You know, he was a heel here, and the kids were scared of him. And he's not in Superfly's getting cheered. But I made a couple notes here when he does uh, diving clothesline. You know, his signature spot. The crowd pops. Oh, I caught that too. Yeah, yeah. They start cheering. They're cheering like because they're just amazed at the presence of this giant. You know, this giant beast, and he comes off his feet. Does this aerial tag and the crowd just? I mean, they get on their feet and they're clapping and they're yeah. And also when he suplex Superfly from the outside from the apron into the ring, do you remember that spot too? Yeah, yeah. The crowd came alive during that too, and they were cheering and just you know, he's getting a face pop of that. But I mean, you know, just for the sheer, um, you know, strength he has and the agility, I think you know, it's, people just respected him even this young in his career. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's really it was really neat to see that too because. I wasn't expecting that, honestly. No, I didn't I realize expecting. that happened that quick. That uh, yeah, people super started quick. cheering for him already. So yeah, because now it's dude, nowadays it's cool to cheer the bad yeah. guys, right? You know, um, but back then it wasn't. You know, kayfabe was still alive too, and so, um, but they did. You know, they were like, whoa, like just cheering for this cool clothesline and you know, really powerful suplex from the apron. But it was a, it looked like it hurt. <laughs> it did. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> And uh, he near Undertaker nearly drops uh, Snuka too for the finish. Like uh, he's definitely supposed yep. to catch him and go straight into the tombstone, but he can't quite make it happen. Yeah. So he has to set him down and punch him a couple times and, and pick him back yeah. up again. And uh, it's, but that, even that, oh, go ahead. Show, oh, so I was gonna say, just he wasn't so green that he caught him. It was like didn't know what to do. You know, he caught him. It wasn't working out. Yeah. He sets him down, punches him in the face a few times. I think he. Scooped him up and then does an, another nasty looking tombstone. It was, but I mean, yeah. he didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't falter in that. You know, when he when the spot didn't go like he was supposed to, you know, he 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 improvised and that. You know, even at this young in his career and, and his character, I mean, his character, you know, he didn't break you know character and, and look worried or troubled or anything. He still had that you know same intense look on his face and mm-hmm. then scooped him up and killed him again <laughs> like his tombstones were nasty back in the day yeah he's killing guys <laughs> i remember as a kid thinking you know, uh, you know once i realized wrestling was you know not on the level or whatever you know the undertake I, I, he would do the tombstone and i would think it's kind of a silly move because like their head never even hits the ground like he, he definitely you learned to protect people a lot more than he is in these first few matches oh he's wait till the next match <laughs> he missed he missed his by a mile <laughs> uh, the next match we're going to talk about. But yeah, that's for there. But yeah. But this one was nasty. He, yeah, he hits He drops him on his head again. Uh, and did he but, do, you know, in the Survivor Series match, did he do the like the classic Undertaker pin where he folded their arms like that afterward? Like The one we, the first Survivor Series match? Yeah, does I he do it in that? Doing it. I can't remember I, I if think, he did or not. Well, I, I don't remember because he was facing away from the hard camera. Right yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. He definitely does um, it here on Snuka. The, yeah, he you does know, it here. Folds their arms and just kind of uh, sits up over him, which is, again, just goes back to the presence and, and the character. He's just in in the zone right there and making himself different than, than yeah. anybody else. That's a, that's a huge part of it, uh, having that unique style. 
So, yeah, that was great. You know, it's short but impactful debut. And you mentioned the next match. The next one we're going to review will be Survivor Series 1991. He's not on SummerSlam. Uh, No, that was strange. He's involved uh, at at, at a post-show little angle storyline there. Uh, But he's going to go on and, you know, already in in his third pay-per-view match, going to be challenging for the... WWF Championship against Hulk Hogan, and crazy. Um, you can tell. I, I said I watched that debut. You can find it on YouTube of Brother Love uh, introducing Paul Bearer uh, with the Undertaker. Which another sidetrack. There is no footage between 1990 and 1993 on the network of anything but pay per views. Like primetime wrestling stops on the network at 89, and then Raw really? starts. January 1993. There's no other weekly TV shows from that time period. There's a couple house shows like in the old school hmm. section, but it's weird. There's no. Yeah. I mean, they've got tons of TV from that time, but they just haven't uploaded it on there yet. Huh. But That's anyway, well, yeah. What I was gonna say was, uh, Paul Bearer mentions, uh, or Paul Bearer and Brother Love mention Ultimate Warrior in that promo, and this is before WrestleMania, but you can tell. They're saying we're going to be watching Ultimate Warrior get destroyed by Macho Man, and we're going to be there to see that. And that's who Undertaker ended up working with all summer uh, was Ultimate Warrior and in body bag matches at, at house shows. Oh yeah, <laughs> and those ended that... up. You can find some of those on YouTube too, which are kind of fun to watch. But uh, I'm what I was trying to say is basically they they had they did have plans for him in store even at this. You know they could tell they had something with him. So I don't know if they knew already that he was going to become a future world champion, but I think they realized they had something with him, even if they didn't know exactly what it was at this moment, which is interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah absolutely. It's great. And it's probably because the way he carried himself, man. And this character was just so cool. Yeah. So different. Like you said, he's just different from everything else on the card. It really was. A lot of big guys on the card on True. every you know, show, but he was different than all of them. Stood out. Yep. So. And he absolutely kills legends on his <laughs> tombstone. <laughs> Any other notes on this beginning of the streak? No, short, sweet, and to the point. I mean, it was a short match. He looked great in it. You know, like you said, it was almost a four-minute squash. I mean, Snooker didn't get much at all. Couldn't get him off his feet. You know, slingshot it at the end. And yeah, I don't think he, he took – I don't think Taker took one bump. Uh, at all in no. this match. That's a great way to make a paycheck, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, smart, smart guy. So, Bobby Heenan um, says, he didn't even break a sweat because he's walking to the back. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen him sweat. <laughs> so, like, how, do you, how much do you watch him, Bobby? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool. But yeah, good commentary again. Man, there's nothing like those two guys. No, there's so. not. Um, <laughs> so good. So You probably didn't uh, watch this. Did you, did you catch the... Uh, the national anthem at the or not national America the Beautiful at the beginning of this show at the beginning no I did not oh man I just turned it on as just like watching the opening video package or whatever see if there's anything in that but uh, it's Willie Nelson and it is fantastic man do yourself a favor oh. just go watch it he absolutely is, <laughs> first of all he is wearing uh, Bret Hart sunglasses on top of his head and a Hulk Hogan bandana. <laughs> WrestleMania t-shirt and a foam title belt around his waist. <laughs> he wouldn't let him borrow a real belt? Oh, no. A foam one? He's wearing, yeah, the, the foam toy belt. 
Uh, he walks in the ring. He's all smiles. He picks up a microphone. Immediately starts singing acapella. America's beautiful. It's beautiful. And he's just like waving to the crowd, pointing at people the whole time. He's just having the time of his life, man. That's awesome. <laughs> and he looks. That's awesome. He looks amazing while he's doing it too. It's great. That's great. It's worth I'll watching. Have to go back and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, next episode, uh, we'll get it up here. Uh, sometime shortly, sometime here in the next week or two, will be Survivor Series 1991. Uh, you can the gravest challenge. Oh, the gravest challenge. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Hulk Hogan against the Undertaker for the WWF Championship. Uh, Ric Flair may be involved in some shape or form. Uh, it's, it's an interesting match, and then right back to back with that will be this Tuesday in Texas. An interesting yeah. experiment in WWF pay per view history. But that's for another time. It didn't work too well because they didn't go back to Tuesdays till 2005. <laughs> no, so. it wasn't a huge, not a successful experience. But it was only like six days after Survivor Series, I think. So yeah, yeah crazy. Yeah. So anyway, we'll get to that next time. So very cool. Very. Thank cool, you guys man. for joining us again. Appreciate it. Yeah, we enjoyed like, it. Like uh, like our podcast. Follow us on Twitter at what is it? At Talking Taker. At Talking Taker. You can subscribe to our podcast. On iTunes, apparently that's important. I have. That's what everyone says. I have too. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you can, yeah, just let us know if you're listening. Let us know what you think. Uh, send in your feedback of this match, uh, of WrestleMania 7, and just any of your thoughts about The Undertaker and uh, any of that good stuff. But uh, until then, rest in peace. Straight shoot, brother. Straight shooting.